Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game. And one of us is already rustling the papers of research. That's, just, that's the sound of a spreadsheet, everybody. <laughs> he's normally He normally saves that for the special Patreon part. <laughs> uh, I'm going to start that again. Um, that is the sound of a spreadsheet, everybody. He's, Kieran's gone early with the spreadsheet. We, we, he normally, he's, he, he licks his fingers and does it very quietly. But this is the show that looks at the money what, behind. What about the spreadsheet? <laughs> This is, we have broken a record. We haven't even said the name of the show yet, and BAFTA's already gone. <laughs> the show that looks at the money behind the beautiful game with me, Kevin Day, and Liverpool University's Kieran Maguire. Now, Kieran, I, I think I can guess which part of the spreadsheet you're thumbing so eagerly, because after <laughs> after just over six months, it was the six-month anniversary, I believe, last week. Although, as we discussed, Moonpig didn't do a card for a football club in administration that long, but it looks like... Kieran, good news for Derby fans. Um, American multimillionaire Chris Kirchner has been named the preferred bidder for Derby County. Two questions, Kieran. What is the legal status, if any, of a preferred bidder? And are you surprised at the outcome and that Chris Kirchner is the choice? Um, th- there is no legal status. What What's happened is that Quantumar, who are the administrators, um, they've been saying for for a long period of time the preferred bidder will be announced soon, and, and yeah. it became a bit of a running joke. Except nobody's laughing really because yeah. it, yeah, you know, because people's jobs are on the line and creditors are not being paid and so on. Um, what it means is that they are effectively giving one of the, I think there were three confirmed interested yeah. parties. They are saying one of these parties now has exclusive rights to negotiate, exclusive rights to investigate the finances of Derby County Football Club, to to talk to uh, other uh, important parties such as such as Mel Morris, CBE ambassador for Derby for business the man who put Derby County into administration the man who kept the stadium for himself so that 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 can now uh, make some progress um it it is i think a surprise to uh, a lot of people and, and the reason for that is that that Chris Kirchner uh, originally before Christmas did throw his hat into the ring via social media now that's that's not necessarily a bad thing you know people work in a variety of ways these days then then uh, around it in December I think it was he he said he was withdrawing his interest mm. he he couldn't make uh, he felt he'd put forward a, a good deal 
um, and that the the uh, Quantumar were not being reasonable. Quantumar said, well, it wasn't a good deal, so therefore, uh, you know, tutty bye. Um, and, and then the next thing we hear is that Chris Kirchner is in talks with Preston North End. You know, we, we, we've spoken about the sad passing away of Trevor Hemmings last year and what was going to happen to Preston on the back of that. Well, it, it looks as if he has been having discussions uh, with the club um, and then that all collapsed. I think it was as recently as the 31st of March. Now, we're recording this on the 6th of April. So, you know, as, uh, you know a, a week ago, the, the noises were that Chris Kirchner was planning to buy uh, Preston North End. Um, my understanding is that he he pulled out because there was a, a disagreement uh, in, in respect of around about two and a half million pounds um, with regards to some money owed in, in respect of transfers. Um, and also, um, so, somebody at Preston had been rude to him. Huh. Um, which, which, which is no no need for that, no need for that, even in negotiations. So, yeah, we don't know whether that's true or not. Um, but um, all I can say is that sources close to Preston, and I'll go no further than that, said um, they didn't feel he he had the money. Um, yeah, they they were concerned um, that he didn't have the money, and, and then um, I was I, I was I was at the Amex Stadium on on Monday night, um, watching our under-23s, ironically, play Derby County. Did they score? Um, did they score? We, we, not only did we score, we scored four goals from open play, Crikey. which is more than the first team have managed all season at the Amex. I was going to so say, we, if, if, you're, if you're at the game on Saturday, you could have still been there Monday night and they wouldn't have scored. <laughs> and that's against yes. Norwich, yeah. <laughs> I know. Um, and uh, I, I was talking to some Derby fans there, and, you know, and, and, and over the course of the last you know, it was six months at least, um, I've, I've got to know some Derby fans, yes, and you know they, they're you know and some staff as well. well yeah, and and they're all pretty pretty damn fantastic. You know, and any anybody that's going from the East Midlands to the South Coast to watch an under twenty three game, you, you've you've got to you've got to doff. Any caps that you're wearing, yeah. Um, and, and these are people who I, I've got a degree of faith in. You, you, you know the, you know, again on social media, some people lead from an emotional point of view, some people lead from a factual. So, um, yeah, the the vibes were that Chris Kirchner was was back, and um, a deal announcement was imminent. Um, and indeed, that that deal announcement now has now come through on the Wednesday morning. Um, so. It's an interesting place. Um, is it a guarantee that he's going to buy the club? No, um, and and I would peep, I would point people in the direction of Wigan Athletic and the administration there, where the administrators had said, "Yes, we've got a preferred bidder from a Spanish consortium," and then it all went wrong. So it, it's it's no guarantee. Um, the the looming presence of Mike Ashley has has not gone away. Um, it, it sounds as if uh, he's sort of in a resting, not dead type of position, where, where in, in the case of uh, Derby County, um, I think the big issue, uh, as far as Mike Ashley is concerned, if 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 rumours, and yeah, we, we, and we like a rumour, is that uh, Mel Morris was not very keen on Mike Ashley to get his hands on Derby County. Mm. And given that Mel Morris still owns the stadium, he's actually in a position to be friendly or awkward in, in respect mm. of any bidders because if uh, you know, the one thing that Quantum are, the administrators, cannot do is to um, buy 
uh, sorry, is, is to is to sell the stadium because yeah. it's not it's not in administration itself. So we're not quite sure what's happening with Mike Ashley. Uh, there, there's another story going around that he's interested in another club uh, in the EFL, uh, but not in England. So we, we oh. have to wait to see what happens there. But I, I presume, Kieran, uh, Mike Ashley could buy or sell Mel Morris and uh, Chris Kirchner, could he? I mean, surely he's far more likely just in terms of pure wealth. And, and off the back of that, what... I mean, this is your world. Are there a specific set of criteria that Quantumar would have been using to come up with the preferred bidder, or is it simply that they're talking to people? Their instinct is that Chris Kirchner is is a decent choice and is serious about the club. So let's show him the books and see what he's getting. Well, um, yeah, they have had yeah months to to build up a relationship um it, it did seem strange that there was you know a bit, bit of a bit of a standoff before christmas but it's it's all sweetness and light and and ultimately business is is business um presumably he has showed them bank statements which give an indication that he has the resources to carry through with the bid now there's another elephant in the room is that if his bid before christmas was not acceptable um, I think there's a fair chance that given in December when when he last withdrew, um, Derby, yeah, they weren't in a great position in the table, but yeah, we, we've now got, what, you know, eight or nine matches remaining. They're eight points adrift. The, the probability of going into League One is enhanced. Yeah. I, I can't see his bid going up. And um, there's an outstanding issue with regards to the EFL's insolvency rules, which say, and this is this is to protect creditors. This is to protect those local suppliers who have supplied um, Mel Morris's Derby County in good faith uh, before the club went into administration. If, as a result of the administration, they don't get 25% at least of what they are owed, then there will be a further 15-point penalty. Um, looking at the small print, um, it would appear, and that, that's not the same as it's guarantee. Remember, I'm not a lawyer. We are both pub lawyers. Mm. It would appear that that penalty is most likely to be applied next season. So not only will Derby County have been docked 21 points in 21-22, it looks as if they could be minus 15 points in 22-23, um, irrespective of the division in which they find themselves. And there's a, another issue for the EFL, which is going to have them on the back foot right from the start when it comes to fit and proper persons tests or whatever they want to call them these days. It's the nature of modern media that uh, they found some historical tweets from the new potential owner of Derby uh, that are uh, not pleasant in terms of his attitude to uh, the LGBTQ community. So that's going to be an issue for uh, for the EFL. Um, and also another issue... So whoever takes over the club is that Quantumar's fees and expenses are estimated, I'm not sure by who, but estimated to reach £3 million. Yes. So so if, if we take those issues in turn, um, if we take a look at the EFL owners and directors test, it is very much focused on do you have an outstanding conviction? Now, right, okay. Chris Kirchner has said, I've said some stupid things when I was younger. I, and... A part of me thinks, well, I've said some really yeah. stupid things when I was younger, um, and you know, my my views today don't reflect my views or, or you know the, th yeah. Yeah, or, yeah, or yeah. the level of stupidity that I had when I was eighteen. Now, some people might say that that stupidity still is there, but you know, I, th I think we we all we all grow older. So, 
Um, if, if, you, if you say something dumb and you realise upon reflection that it was dumb, then A, have, have the cojones to say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm apologising, I, I, yeah. I was, you know, it doesn't, doesn't reflect me today. And also, as far as other people are concerned, they should say, okay, you know, you, you, you cannot, you know, the, the, the first person who is perfect to, uh, is, is the only person who is in, in a position to actually take a, a, a real judgment on this. Um, so I, I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't I, agree. I couldn't agree more, Kieran, but it, it nevertheless, uh, I, I've said some spectacularly stupid things and done some, I've said them on this pod, let's be fair, but, and certainly when I was young, and they're a matter of record, I've done shows about them, but nevertheless, as far as the EFL was concerned, it does add to the awkwardness of the situation because these are things that will be, you know, the media who have shown no interest whatsoever in the plight of Derby County will show a lot of interest in this because that's how the press works, unfortunately. It is, um, but the EFL can only prevent Chris Kirchner from passing the, the owners and directors test if A, he has... Uh, unspent convictions yep. and b he's unable to provide proof of funding right. uh sh- now now other issues you know it should we have a beefed up owners and directors test is something we'll, we'll come to um in a few minutes so, so that's that's where we are um with with regards to him um could somebody else come in could this be a ploy by Quantumar to try to flush out mike ashley or the third bidder we don't know. Um, yeah, it has has Derby County turned a corner? I think it has. Has it turned the corner? We we can't say at this stage. It, you know, it's 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 a step. Uh, a, a step in the direction is not the same as getting over the finish line. Well, that that's interesting because I spoke to a journalist uh, not long ago on a Crystal Palace pod. I won't name him. He's normally reliable, and he we we talked about this off air, and he was speculating whether this might be a Jerry Lim situation, something we mentioned uh, on the live pod recently, where it seemed that Jerry Lim and Simon Jordan were in uh, uh, competition to buy Crystal Palace at one stage, and Jerry Lim bought it, and then Simon Jordan bought it from him the day after, and and this journalist was speculating that it might be a similar sort of case. But also the £3 million, Kieran, that, that seems to be a lot of money in terms of fees. Again, I don't know who's estimated that Quantumar's fees are £3 million, but uh, uh, that is that is a lot of money, Kieran, for the job they're doing. Um, it, it, it is a lot of money. They're charging an average you know, around about £400 an hour. Uh, the clock's been running for six months. I think that £3 million includes their legal bills as well. Right, OK. Um, if, if we take a look at what happened at Wigan, we're, we're we're pretty close to it, and and the Wigan job was was a quicker job. Yeah. So um, yeah, if if you you know, I, I used to do this line of work myself, as as you know, uh, before I, I decided to jack it in and become a teacher. Um, and a part of the reason why I jacked it in to become a teacher because it, it's not a very pleasant job, and, yeah. and sometimes unpleasant jobs come with come with big pay packets. Yeah. The- the good news is, hopefully, though, Kieran, this this could be a positive step in the right direction for Derby fans, and it's been a while since we've been able to say that. So, let's keep our fingers crossed and move on to some other news stories. Um, the first one's quite a big one in the context of an industry we've talked about a lot recently, and it, that is that gambling and betting companies will be banned from using advertising that features top-flight footballers. Yes, um, this is uh, th- this is being introduced. 
effectively by the by the broadcasting industries themselves by some of the watchdogs involved there um it, it's not just footballers it's influencers it's it's the use of celebrity and i think the concern here is that by associating gambling with success so you know we've we've seen jose Mourinho, we've seen peter crouch we've seen uh you know other people uh involved in football doing these types of adverts you know, they're vote they're, they're very personable people um if if they're seeking to endorse gambling it's the equivalent of celebrity endorsements for cigarettes yep. you know 30 or 40 years ago um so that appears to be one step that is being taken um, as 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 part of a much broader investigation into where do we where do we go as far as gambling is concerned. So it, yeah, if if you're Peter Crouch's agent, um, if you're uh, Jose Mourinho's agent, yeah, it, it's it's not good news. But the chances are they'll be probably advertising crypto ad cryptos and and non fungible tokens and and things which are similar. So. Uh, it's it, it it's certainly from from the point of view and and i've been talking to um yeah people we know in, in who've had gambling issues um james grimes who was um on the show uh, last year from from the big step uh, he yesterday was celebrating 4 years having not placed a bet yeah um and, and that is first of all you know well done james hell of an achievement but also the fact that people are keeping a record of how long since the last bet, and it is, and there is so yeah. much temptation out there. Yeah, and, and I think this this is the, the, the much bigger issue in terms of advertising for the industry. Uh, it is an addictive product. It is a habit forming product. Uh, it is a, a habit. It, it is a product that potentially can destroy lives. And as such, uh, there is a case for saying it should be monitored and it should be marketed in a more responsible manner. The culture secretary, Nadine Dorries, um, and I still can't get used to saying those words, but nevertheless, the culture secretary, Nadine Dorries, says English football will have an independent regulator with a beefed up suitability test for owners and directors before the next general election, all of which I would take a little bit more seriously were it not for the fact that she didn't know until this week that Channel 4 was publicly owned. Uh, <laughs> something you'd like to think the culture secretary would be across, but nevertheless, uh, as she announced plans to sell it, she had no idea that she was selling something that technically she owns. But there you go. But this it, this can only be good news, Kieran, and it's something you've certainly argued with for, uh, and you, you know, your other the other woman in your life, Tracy Crouch, as, <laughs> as I'm sure, I'm sure the Baroness was highly delighted when you said, "Tracy's done it. She's done it." <laughs> but yes, but as as you suggested, a beefed up suitability test for owners and directors, which is, I think, ninety nine percent of football fans would be delighted to hear that. It, it is, but if I think if Nadine Doris had suggested a diluted owners and directors test, you know, she, 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 it was only <laughs> one thing that she could say. Fair point. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the. I think that this is positive. It would appear that the culture secretary clearly, you know, we've we've got a good relationship with Tracy Crouch um, and and friends at the DCMS. Um, is this going to go in the next Queen's speech? I think that's uncertain. Yeah, you know, the next the next election. Uh, so it could be it could be an, you know, another cycle of this. Um, it, and, and the independent regulator is. Uh, is, I, I, my personal view: it's better than self-regulation because self-regulation is is driven by self-interest. Yeah. Um, 
we've got to say, well, who appoints the independent regulator? Because we've just had a, a, you know, a somebody who's just been appointed to Ofcom, um, and there's been accusations of uh, political appointments being made. Um, so, so you know, in, you've got to define independent. You've then got to go and set out the criteria and, and the and the format of the the work and the powers that this person will uh, have. Um, you know, is are, otherwise they could potentially just be the, the the equivalent of a constitutional monarch. You know, just be rubber stamping decisions which are made elsewhere within the football industry. In terms of the response to it, um, the the EFL are, are in favour of a. Uh, of an independent regulator, as is the, the Football Supporters Association, um, as, as you would expect. Um, the FA are saying it's not needed. Uh, the FA is saying, no, what should happen? And if you think about it, we, we presently have, have a tripartite arrangement at present. Uh, the Football Association, the Premier League and the EFL are all independent. And the FA is now saying what they need is more power. So it, it, instead of having an independent regulator, transfer more power to the FA and they will act in the best interests of football. So remember, this is the organisation which still thinks it's a good idea to have Liverpool and Manchester City play in the FA Cup semi-final at Wembley on a weekend when there's no trains. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm not not convinced about this. This is also the organisation that thought it was a good idea to have the national stadium stay at Wembley, which isn't isn't a great venue. Yeah, there's there's you know if you for a variety of reasons, you know, L- London is not the epicenter of the of the of the country, um, certainly from a geographical point of view. So, so there's. I think there are question marks over the uh, football association with regards to the Premier League. Um, if uh, if there's going to be another twelve months before this goes into the Queen's speech, this allows the, the Premier League a further twelve months for lobbying. And what have we seen from the Premier League to date? It's deny, deflect, and discredit the contents of the fan-led review, and. Also, it's you know when you've got those football matches where you've got a really good player and the opposition take it in turns to keep kick lumps out of him so they avoid getting a yellow card. Yeah. Well, it's very clear that this is the this is the modus operandi of the Premier League, where one chief executive will come up with a few negative comments, then it will be another chief executive, and so on. And there's no comments coming from the big six clubs because, of course, their reputation has been discredited by the way that they they leapt so enthusiastically into bed with Super League. So it's clearly a a policy. We, We know that there are um, lawyers trying to pick holes that have you know, been appointed by the Premier League. We know that there are public relations agencies who are, again, drip, drip, negative stories uh, about these proposals, and uh, we, we will have to see. But it, it does appear, you know, regardless of individual politics, where we stand on things, it's the Prime Minister's in favour of it, the Culture Secretary's in favour of it, and the person that wrote the report is in favour of it, and they are all from the party and government. Uh, yeah, Brighton and Watford, that's all I'll say. Two teams who take turns to kick Wilf off the pitch with while referees stand by applauding them for doing it. Um, if you hear a strange drumming noise in the background, everybody, it's because out of nowhere, uh, a huge thunderstorm has developed Ooh. with some rather impressive flashes of lightning. I'm just looking... Uh, the, the, the cat's got a slightly alarmed look on her face. She's, I'm in the, I'm in the workroom out at the back of the garden, and she's in the kitchen, looking out. I'm, I'm trying to send vibes to her. She's obviously worried about daddy, but it's fine.
I'm Steve Lamack and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight Stuart Dredge on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode we discuss the very latest goings on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. The Ricketts family uh, are one of the people who are trying to buy a Chelsea football club. And they released a statement this week with an eight-point plan to try and reassure fans that they will be responsible owners. And that includes an absolute 100% copper-bottom guarantee that Chelsea will never play in the Super League. Yes, um, and sort of, yeah, we've just been talking about Chris Kirchner uh, with with regards to... um, some some historic comments that he's made. Well, one of the members, one of the I think one of the, the, the the patriarch of the Ricketts family. Um, I think it's fair to say that his 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 views and and and, and these 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 emails he sent out were were three years ago. Um, you, and I don't think we can ter- we can say well, yeah, when I was seventy eight, I was too young to, to you know, I, I was I was still young and impressionable. Um, so yeah, um, so I, I know Paul Canaville, um, who. Uh, you know, has 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 a position uh, at Chelsea who has who has suffered terrible abuse historically. Uh, yeah. for, you know, it, you know, we we all know you know his 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 backstory in in terms of uh, some some stakeholders at Chelsea who have, who have not behaved in a particularly appropriate manner. Yeah. But um, there's this eight point plan which does look like a classic uh, appeasement, but. Um, Never join the the Super League. Uh, I think is is the standout one. Um, they they are committed to staying at Stamford Bridge as opposed to moving to a new stadium. So whether it's going to be new development, um, I think not changing the shirt colour. Well, I, I, I don't think that's I don't think that's a big commitment. To be honest with you, um, they say we're going to have the resources to win trophies. Well, that, yeah, that's that's called paying people wages. So again, you, you take some of these with a large dose of assault. Um, they're committed to diversity inclusion. That's great. There's going to be an advisory committee, which involves former players, uh, which is great. Commitment to the women's team. Again, great. Commitment to the Chelsea Foundation, which does superb work. Again, great. But I, I think some of these are, are would have been given. So um, it, it's... It's it's a soft soap. It is public relations. Um, I think the the major takeaways, as, as you highlighted, Kevin, was that uh, uh, definitely not going to join the Super League, which which I think the English clubs had effectively committed themselves sure. to anyway. Yeah, it, interestingly, they didn't actually say they wouldn't change the shirt or the badge. They said they wouldn't do it without consulting Chelsea fans. Right, um, okay. which is a slightly yeah. different thing. Um, this is a a very childish reason. I have to be very careful. The, the, the mere name Ricketts makes the idea of the Ricketts family taking over Chelsea is difficult for me, Kieran, and I have to be careful because I know he's listening, but I've got a very dear friend who's called Dave Ricketts and, <laughs> and Dave's from Gloucester and he has what I can only describe as a sitcom Gloucester accent. <laughs> uh, and he's got a habit of blinking at you very slowly when you ask him a simple question. And... He gets really angry if anyone ever criticises badgers. So what? really angry. He once turned a table over in a pub because he said I was a cockney wide boy who had no right 
to be suggesting that badgers might cause tuberculosis. It can really actually turn the table over in a pub because of it. So wow. every, every time people say that the Ricketts family are taking over Chelsea, I just have this image of my slow, brink, lovely, slow blinking badger <laughs> angry mate. You know, I've bought Chelsea. And everything will be fine as long as no one – I know it's a terrible accent – as long as no one takes a piss out. <laughs> if Lukaku so much as mentions badges, it's going to kick off. That's all I'm saying. Um, <laughs> at the other end of the financial scale, Kieran, uh, apologies to everybody from Gloucester or Norwich or wherever that accent was meant to be. Uh, classic Londoner attempting to speak the way that other people apparently do speak wrongly. Um, Crawley Town have confirmed for the first time that they are in talks – about a potential takeover. It's Crawley Town being roughly halfway between where you are and where I am. Yes, but perhaps we perhaps we, we perhaps we should set up a football club in Crawley one day, Kevin, and see how far we can get with it. That's a good idea. Maybe yeah, it's a very interesting idea. <laughs> yeah, people will discover the context for that uh, statement in a few weeks' time. Basically, but in the meantime, Crawley Town was just a, uh, a, a club. I went to see Whitehawk when my uh, cousin was playing for Whitehawk. I went to see them play at Crawley. We had a lovely night out, I have to say. Uh, but yes, yeah, so do we know who who is talking about potentially taking them over? Well, at present, I think they, there are American in, the, the you know, American investors, and it's very vague. It's it's owned by a Turkish guy at present. Um, I, I think there there's always been a problem for for Crawley Town in terms of it's got a natural ceiling in terms of its uh, in terms of its fan base and yeah. and getting you know because the the train links from Three Bridges and uh, and Gatwick are so good. Um, yeah, there's lots of fans that will go. I mean, there's lots of Crawley fans who support you know, people in Crawley who support Palace and Brighton, well, Palace or Brighton, should we say? Yeah. Um, as well as other London clubs, um, the the present owner, the Turkish owner, he he has funded the club, he's funded the losses, and now I think he's reached that stage where he's thinking, why am I sticking a couple of million quid into a football club yeah. every year? I'm I'm not I'm not getting a lot of love uh, off the back of it, and uh, you know it, it's a sizable sum of money, so. Um, yeah, the club's in search of of new owners. Uh, it has to be said. Um, I, I could I could honestly name twenty or thirty clubs that I'm aware of who are in a broadly similar position, except they've not explicitly gone out to to the local newspapers and said, "Yeah, come and get us." Uh, but w- when you talk to agents, when you talk to uh, people involved in the game, it, it's fairly clear that uh, there are many owners who either don't want to or have sort of fallen out of love of, with the game and, and will be quite happily to pass on their clubs to uh, to other owners. Mm. And the reason for that is it, it's it's an expensive hobby. Yes, speaking of which, Wrexham, Harrogate Town and Chesterfield all made a loss of more than £1 million in season 2021. I presume, Kieran, in Wrexham's case, that was before the Ryan Reynolds money kicked in, is it? Well, yeah, I mean, the, the Ryan Reynolds money sort of kicked in halfway through. Um, Wrexham lost a lot of money. They, they lost uh, multi-millions. Uh, and, uh, you know, ha- Harrogate had their first season uh, in the EFL with all of the additional money that comes from uh, solidarity payments in the EFL TV deal. But they still had record losses of 1.1 million because it's, it's, the, it's, it's the Alan Sugar prune juice effect comment the more money that comes in, the more money you end up paying on wages. We also have to take into consideration, um, of course, that uh, there, there are COVID implications. Although the majority of these clubs did get grants and and uh, and, and some funding from from the Premier League itself, 
Um, but you look at some of the numbers and you think, why why bother? I mean, we've got yeah. we've got the Bristol Rovers owner, um, and he's put in another three million pounds this year. Um, Bristol Rovers have lost twenty seven million quid. Yeah, twenty and and yeah. these these numbers we we just become immune to them. Yeah. They, they just. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna earn three million pounds in my lifetime. Uh, and you know, they, we've got a football club that's going to lose it in a year. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it's that sort of you put you put that into some sort of context. In addition, you know, since, since I think we we, we got our, our script from uh, producer guy um, Salford City via uh, Project Ninety Two, which is the the company run by Gary Neville, David Beckham, the, the uh, Paul Scholes, and and uh, uh, and well, uh, Nicky Butt, and so yeah. on. Um, well, well, that yeah, that that club is now in uh, in the EFL. Um, and as for Project Ninety Two, I'm not sure what Project Ninety Two stands for, but and this is this is this is possible spreadsheet heaven for me. They did manage to lose ninety two thousand pounds a week, um, which is you know four and a half million pounds in in a year, which is which is ridiculous. And, and you know that club is is kept going by by a guy called Peter Lim. Peter Lim owns fifty percent of, of Project Ninety Two, and and the class of Ninety Two own the other fifty percent between them. But it's it's an expensive, expensive business, and you can see why um, owners are now thinking if somebody comes in with a fair offer, I'll, I'll snap the hand off. Yeah, I've, I've got a feeling, Kieran. It's it's probably called Project Ninety Two because of the class of Ninety Two, rather than the understated ambition of losing £92,000 a week. <laughs> Although- well, they, they, that's the show. Well, if, if it isn't, they, they've, they've achieved what, – what, what, a, what a way to run a business. It's, it's, but I just quite like the idea of Nicky Butt being at the meeting going, hang on a second, we're, we're calling it Project 92, why? Because, <laughs> yeah. because Nicky, we want to lose £92,000 a week. Does that make you – know, Paul Scholes is saying, shut up, Nicky. Just do what you're told. <laughs> um, Accrington Stanley also posted a loss, but nowhere near as much as those three clubs. Yeah, um, and, and our our good friend Andy Holt, um, and, and I think we're allowed to. Uh, actually, we are now allowed to confirm that uh, we we will be doing the second Price of Football live at Accrington Stanley. Um, on May the 10th. So tickets will soon be available on sale. And uh, we're, we're hoping to have a special guest whose whose initials are A and H um, <laughs> on, on the show as well. But we don't, we don't want to give too much away. We don't want to give too much away, as we know. Um, Andy runs a tight ship. He, he's, he sets a budget. Accrington have one of the lowest budgets in League One, but they've still managed to A, to get there, and B, stay there on, on a really low budget. And they lost around about 35 grand for the year. Um, and that was, you know, as as a result of COVID, and uh, as Andy say says, them though those losses would have been lower, but the EFL fined them eight thousand pounds for pulling out for a match because of COVID. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, it, it, I, th- I think this is a classic example of don't live with it within, don't live beyond your means. Set a budge, budget, stick to it, and also develop a relationship with the fan base so that they understand what you're doing. And, you know, anybody that's been to an away match with Accrington who's seen Andy, uh, he is, he's approachable. He will, he will say it as he sees it. And, you know, I agree with what Andy says nearly all the time, you know, and uh, he's, I think he's a shining light. Yeah. I'm 
looking for I've been to Accrington before, but I'm really looking forward to it. I've never been to to the club. Slightly affronted by a producer guy assuming that I know nothing about the geography of the north. In, and when he confirmed that we were going to Accrington, included some details about where it is and how to get there. It's like, I, I, I know I'm a confirmed Londoner, but I know where Accrington is. They're in my book. I've never been there before. <laughs> and also, it's also, you know, I spoke to Ali. Ali's on tour at lunchtime, and, and she, she apparently saw the need for the first thing for her to say was, they will have heard all the Stanley jokes. It's like, what? what, what? Who do these people think I am? I'm not going to actually go up to actors. And the first thing I'm not going to say is, is Stanley here? Love of God. Um, but for some clubs who made uh, a lot, we will be lovely to see you all, by the way, and we will have details of ticket prices and times uh, very shortly. Um, and then hopefully we'll be in a position to announce uh, further live shows uh, across the rest of the year. Uh, a club that made a profit in 2021 was Sheffield United, um, £9.5 million, which you would expect from a club that had been in the Premier League for two seasons. Well, uh, yes, but this, this, is, this is the paradox of football. Sheffield United are the only club to have made a profit from day-to-day activities in 2021. Uh, yeah, others have made a profit on the back of a couple of player sales. Um, and how were they rewarded? They got relegated. Mm. And, and if we go back to the championship in 2019, only one club made a profit that year. That club was Rotherham United. They were relegated. Yeah. The clubs which made the biggest losses um, were uh, that year were Aston Villa, um, who who got uh, who got promoted, and Derby County made the second highest losses. And, and they they played Aston Villa in the final of the. Uh, of the playoffs at Wembley, so so football rewards overspending. Ch- Chelsea have made a huge loss in the Premier League, but they won the Champions League, so that makes it okay. Um, so it, it is this 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 balancing act which never seems to work. Um, Shef- Sheffield Wednesday's sorry, she- sorry, Sheffield United's wage bill um, was around about fifty million pounds lower than other clubs in the bottom six of, of the Premier League. And that was that was ultimately reflected in in the fact that they ended up going down. Now, yeah. um, they, they would have had substantial bonuses, which would have added to that wage bill had they avoided relegation. That's the way that the system works. But it does show that if clubs try to operate um, some form of financial common sense model, then the rewards of that are relegation. Mm. Um. To no one's surprise, Kieran, UEFA's reforms to the Champions League include safeguards for elite clubs, allowing them to qualify even if they underperform domestically. Yes, um, this is from 2024-25 when the the new format of the Champions League arises. Uh, Clubs are going to play 10 group games instead of six and I'm, I'm trying to work out how many people you all of you and I we both got friends who support Liverpool and Manchester United and City and Chelsea and Arsenal and so on um I'm just wondering how many of them have actually said oh yeah we re- what we really want <laughs> is is an additional four group games in yeah. the Champions League to enhance our our football enjoyment um but um if 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 we transform ourselves into 2024-25, and let's assume that the four clubs, and I'm I'm going to have to say this through very, very gritted teeth, um, if, if if the four clubs who are 
in the semi-finals of the FA Cup, uh, which are, of course, yeah, Palace, Chelsea, Manchester City, and Liverpool. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if if they get through to the final, um, if if Arsenal, sorry, if if Manchester City or Liverpool or Chelsea win the FA Cup and they hadn't qualified for the Champions League through finishing in the top four, they would then go into the Champions League based on their five-year coefficient. If Crystal Palace win the FA Cup, they go into the Europa League. Now, tell me that is is not fair. And I'll be honest, and, and and I can't believe that I'm saying this, I am so furious about this this conniving, scheming approach to trying to protect the financial interest of billionaires who already own elite football clubs. I'm going to say this, and I'll probably never say this again, I hope Palace win the FA Cup this season. Wow. We'll we'll be clipping that out and putting that on social media. (laughs) No one needs to know the context for that. Yeah. No. yeah, in the unlikely event, history has shown us, Kieran, in the unlikely event that Palace do win the FA Cup, uh, UEFA will find some way of keeping us out of the Europa League. Don't worry. Um, oh, God, just imagine the excitement of the Europa League. Oh, never mind. Uh, anyway, Kieran Maguire says he hopes Crystal Palace win the FA Cup. Uh, I, I will get our media team. I, I'm unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately you, you are our media team, Kieran. That's the problem there. I'll find some way of sharing that on social media. Um, Our penultimate story is an interesting one. Michel Platini says he has filed a criminal complaint against Gianni Infantino. Uh, We've yet to have a response from Gianni Kettle. Uh, (laughs) uh, What's this about, Kieran? Well, um, again, we, we have to put this into some form of historical context. We know that Michel Platini has been banned, I think, from since 2015 from football. This was all due to uh, a, a payment that was given to mm. him uh, on the say-so of uh, Sepp Blatter, yeah, the, the saviour of modern football. The, uh, the the gentleman that thought that women's football could be improved by them wearing shorter shorts, you know, they're, they're, you know and, and this, this is it's, it's you know he 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 epitomises the the English FA as well, you yeah, know, yeah. So yeah. you know this yeah the, the comments that we've had from some of their members, so it's yeah. it's pretty depressing stuff. Um, but uh, the, the the accusation by Platini's uh, legal team is that Gianni Infantino has and and I quote peddled influence mm. now i've got no idea what peddled influence means um but uh there's going to be a case against not only infantino but also some other members of fifa uh, it's going to be potentially held in a swiss court um and it it, it does it does seem that uh you know it, it's it's grown men acting like children um and and making uh lawyers even richer on, on the back of this you know i you and I both remember Platini as a player. Oh, God, and yeah. Let, let, let's just remember him as an absolutely brilliant footballer. But he's gone. He's, he's just gone. He's lost it. He's, he's completely yeah. lost it. Just sometimes he's got to move on, Michelle. Yeah, he's gone full Morrissey on us, hasn't he, basically? Mm. Uh, essentially. Yeah, I had some... A bit like Matt Letizier. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I know. Let's just reflect for a moment, Kieran, that you and I will never be in a position where we can peddle influence. <laughs> I can barely pedal a bicycle. That's true. Although to be fair, I do I do get served quicker in the Porsons Arms because I mention them every time I do anything on the media. So but that's about <laughs> it. Um, our final story, Ken, I've been I've been pleasantly surprised and encouraged by the resistance 
English football fans have shown towards the whole cryptocurrency NFT thing. It's not something that's been taken up with as much enthusiasm as I believe English clubs thought they would be. And it seems that it might be the deal uh, abroad as well in Spain because Lionel Messi has signed a 20 million euro deal, or 20 million dollars, I beg your pardon, uh, to promote the crypto fan company's socios. Yes, yes. I mean, and, and, and with regards to your first comments, um, it looks as if ninety. I think it's 95% of Liverpool's planned NFT uplift um, has... Um, has has failed. Uh, there's there's been relatively little demand for for people wanting to pay seventy five dollars to to buy a cartoon picture, which they can only keep online um, of uh, of James Milner yeah. and Co. <laughs> uh, I, I, and I don't understand why people don't want to spend seventy. Yeah, but perhaps they think it's a waste of money. Um, so yeah, th- this company Socios who. Uh, it hasn't necessarily covered itself with glory. If, if, uh, there's some very good investigative journalism t- taking place into uh, how the market is organized for some, some of the products. And, and as I've said every time, if people want to use um, if people want to use cryptocurrencies as a means of transferring money from one bank account to another and, and not not get stiffed by their by their local bank who, who you know charges them God knows what, um, then fine, absolutely no. But it's not an investment. Uh, and it's exactly the same with NFTs. If you want to collect a digital version of Panini cards, go ahead, fill your boots, have fun. But I, I've got I've got my Panini collections going back a, a few years. I, I I did it because it was that's what it was. It was fun. I never did it with the viewpoint to thinking of it as any form of investment, and it's and it was never marketed to me as an investment, along with all of the other middle-aged men who really ought to know better and are very, very fortunate to have incredibly patient wives who tolerate such behavior. Um, and, and this is my concern. You know, why? Why are Socios paying uh, Lionel Messi $20 million? It's because he is celebrity. He gives, he gives their products, which are unregulated, yeah. highly volatile, and open to manipulation. He is giving their products legitimacy, and that is what they are seeking at present. And and you know, if he wants to sign that contract, I'm, I'm not going to criticize him. Ultimately, you know, it's his call. You know, we've made certain decisions on this show as to what we are prepared to advertise and what we're not prepared to advertise. Um, and you know, that's our call as well, you know, each to their own. Yeah, somehow Manscaped got through that discussion. But we're, <laughs> that, that our, we've managed to retain our integrity by doing regular adverts for shaving your pubic hair. That takes some doing, doesn't it? Um, there's a documentary I watched last night on BT Sport 3 uh, about the boot room at Liverpool, which is very, oh, much, yeah. very much not a nostalgia fest. It's very interesting about the place of the club in Liverpool history and the relative economic mights of Liverpool and Everton. But I was just thinking last night, if you, if you told Bob Paisley, you know, if, if you said, sit down, Bob, take your gabardine mac off, uh, <laughs> rest rest the brill cream on your hair. If you told Bob Paisley that at some stage in the future, his club would be offering for a price of £75, a cartoon of a Liverpool player that you can't take off your computer screen, which again, you'd have to explain that to him. For a start off, it's just, it just is an indication. I am, and I'm genuinely pleased that football fans 
in the UK have shown such resistance because it just does indicate that we're not we're not going to buy everything that the club offers. It's like, yeah, we'll buy we'll buy scarves, we'll buy shirts, we'll we'll buy things that we choose to buy, but we're not just going to spend money on something we can't even hold or put on our toilet wall. It's just well done, UK football fans. Um if you'd like to make a small monthly contribution to our always free to air pod, then please go to patreon.com slash price of football. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show on our Monday pod, email us at questions at price of football.com. Uh, if you'd like to send me a text or tweet congratulating me on not once mentioning the fact that we beat Arsenal 3 0, uh, three goals in the same game, Kieran. Imagine that. That does not compute. Graham Potter, Graham Potter, Graham Potter the saviour of English football, can only dream of scoring three goals in, in one game. Um, uh, yes, um, we will have more details, as I say, of our next live show, but it will be at Accrington Stanley's ground on the 10th of May. And in the meantime, I shall hand you over to Mr. Kieran McGuire for his customary farewell. Well, uh, as always, folks, thanks for your uh, thanks for your comments, thanks for your feedback. Uh, we, we, we they they make us laugh uh, and sometimes cry <laughs> at times. So, so we, we, we 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 take we take on we take on the full the full range. I can assure you. Um, if if you want to go down to uh, use the Patreon route, as for as little as a pound a month, you can support the show. Um, but if if you want to support it in another way, you want to give us some good karma uh, and also help us in the charts via the via the algorithms which are used by the likes of Google and Spotify. Spotify and Apple. Um, the one way you can do that is to go onto your app and to, to give us a review. Um, and if you give us five stars, if you think we're worth it, of course, uh, that's down to you. Um, that's fantastic. It doesn't. It doesn't matter what you say. You could say you would rather the show was presented by. Hartley Hare and J.R. Hartley, and it wouldn't make a blind bit of difference. And if you don't know who Hartley Hare is or J.R. Hartley, you're probably not part of Kevin and mine's peer group. Hartley Hare, he was an annoying little sod, wasn't he? Oh, he was one of the worst, worst puppets of all time. Terrible know-it-all. Oh, dear, J.R. Hartley... Yeah, well, it's, it's this. You know what, Kieran? This is probably the show that BAFTA stayed with right to the end. Uh, we, we were doing so well, apart from going on about shaving our pubes for no apparent reason. And then, then there's just bizarre mention of Hartley here. And who were the other people in that? Uh, oh, I'm gonna have to look. That was Hartley. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, with, with the, yeah. The BAFTA has definitely gone, yeah, there, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. As I drifted off, then I'm just planning to Google Hartley Hair. <laughs> uh, bye, everybody. Bye. <laughs> Bye, son, for the